Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless Your Boys podcast. BlessYourBoys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. I'm your host, Brandon Day, and we're going to do something a little different um, this week. Um, Keenan Carter, who normally does the minor league track podcast, um, is going to be out for just a little bit, attending to real-life duties. And so what I thought I would do is bring in a special guest today, and we do a little rundown of the early returns on the minor league system. And I've got you a pretty good one, because we're going to have with us Chris Brown. Um, Chris Brown writes for Tigstown. Um, he's a buddy of mine, and on top of his work at Tigstown, he is also the co-host of... And Chris has also started a new venture um, this season over on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Um, he has a podcast called the Lockdown Tigers Podcast, which you can find um, normally five days a week, um, at least a couple days a week. Um, it's a really short, concise um, kind of breakdown of the Tigers' news for the week uh, with a little bit of minor league coverage mixed in there. And so um, we've both kind of guested on each other's podcast over the years, so I'm excited to have him on and do a little one-on-one and take a look at the minor league system. So without further ado, let's get this underway. So Chris, Sounds good. how you been, man? How are things going? Doing well, Brent. How you doing? Oh, you know, you know, hanging in there, uh, you know, covering the minor league system is, uh, is kind of keeping me sane um, while watching the Tigers and whatever, whatever the hell decision making is going on over there and me wanting to strangle people over the Daniel oh, yeah. Norris. Well, yeah, I, I always like this time of year where it's, I mean, I think a lot of people do, but it's like, you know, we get baseball a couple of weeks ago and then suddenly we just get four times as much baseball. It's not as good, but there's so much more to pay attention to. And if there's not a Tigers game, there's usually at least two or three minor league games. So baseball feed. Yeah, it's for baseball yeah, it really fans. It just kicks into such high gear, and I don't know. I've been trying to make an effort to pay a, a little more attention to some of the West Coast teams that I, I miss every year. But you know, I'm just kind of interested to see what the Padres do. So I've been trying to trying to stay up and watch a little bit of their games, which has been fun. Um, watching Fernando Tatis Jr. has been pretty awesome. Um, that dude is every bit as advertised. I saw Vladimir Guerrero Jr. homered tonight, so I'm sure he's you know only approximately you know whatever 21 days of service time away from being healthy and ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, well, and then uh, you know, Peter Alonso, yeah. who they were discussing keeping down, just he hit. I don't know if you saw what he hit today. It was like a 460 foot line drive, 118 mile an hour home run. It's just absurd. Oh wow! So yeah, he, he hit it to center field. At, I think it's Atlanta. I didn't even know there was water out there. There's water out there, and he hit it to the water. Oh no so. way! Yeah, I've never seen the water out there. Oh, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, I have. <laughs> he found on the water. All four of it's my like fantasy a... teams. I picked him up on all you know all four leagues. It was just like, yeah, maybe they'll call him up and it'll go well. And yeah, you know. You can... You can bet on that 70 raw sometimes <laughs> or 80 raw yeah. maybe. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. You know, it's early, so we'll see if they can adjust to it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it seems to me in general that the prospects come up a lot better uh, than they used to. There's like, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, a lot of top prospects came up and would, would be okay and then just completely wash out. I don't know if it's a better development or better evaluation, but uh, it seems to be working out a lot more now. You got like Acuna and. Like you said, Eloy Jimenez is off to a solid start, and Tatis, these guys are young, and they're doing well. Yeah. yeah you know, we've kind of had that conversation a few times about, it, you know, it just feels like teams are, are more confident in their evaluations now, much less willing to trade any of those guys mm-hmm. ever. Um, if they are willing to trade them. <laughs> Except for the know, White you Sox. You might find out that, Except like, yeah, yeah, exactly. But you might find out, you know, like, you know, this this person's injured or, you know, Franklin Perez's shoulder won't stay on. And, you know, it's just like, you know, there's always an issue or something. But, 
Yeah, it really has been impressive. I don't know, you know, we were kind of talking about Kristen Stewart today, um, kind of behind the scenes on the site, you know, people were really, you know, kind of like, oh, I don't know, you know, I mean, look at the, you know, everybody knows not to look at the batting average, but they're looking at the batting average, but it's like, you know, he's striking out 26% of the time, he's walking 11% of the time, and he's hitting the hell out of the ball when he does, that's, you know, that's exactly what you'd expect, so... And he's playing bad defense. Yeah, I mean, scouting report. <laughs> I, I, I think his BABIP is pretty low right now. I haven't checked. I'm checking now. Just to... right now, I haven't checked. Yeah, 185. No, I was I see like right 160 now. to 180. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, okay. He so, may, yeah, pretty low. Even he may a get shifted a little bit into a low BABIP, too, but that's still pretty damn low. So. Yeah, and you just figure, you know, with the hot baseball a little bit and stuff, you know, and, and him being a fly ball guy, he's going to hit a lot of home runs, and those aren't going to show up in your BABIP. You know, his, yeah. his BABIP will probably always be a little low. And his average probably won't be much above 250 or 260, but yeah, but he seems to be, you know, holding his own. Yeah. So I, far in the early you know, it's interesting that I, I keep thinking this offense is going to pick it up because they have more guys who will walk now and there's some guys with power and it just nothing, nothing's come through quite yet. Yeah. Just, we haven't seen the power and they've been terrible with runners in scoring position so far, which I usually think is just fluky, especially this early in the season. But yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, I think it is. It's, it's kind of just like a, it's like a team going, it's a team equivalent of, a, of going like over five with four strikeouts. It's just like, oh, sometimes that happens. It just happens that they've strung together these 13 games where they don't hit with men in scoring position. But uh, yeah, I think they'll, I think they'll pick it up a little bit. It's just a matter of if the pitching will hold while they, while the offense comes around. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, the pitching does kind of kind of concern me. Um, the other prospect who we've been seeing quite a bit of, obviously, is um, Spencer Turnbull. Um, you know, we've talked about him plenty in the past. You know, I mean, I think, I don't know for sure if you were, felt this way, but we both kind of had him pegged as, like, probably he's just going to be a reliever or maybe, like, a fifth starter. Have, have you changed your opinion a little bit, having seen kind of the what I've seen is, like, the better, better, more consistent breaking balls he's been throwing over the past, like, I don't know, like three months of play, like late last season and early. Uh, you know, I don't know if I've, I've changed my opinion that I think he'll be best in the bullpen, but I, he has made made himself a more viable starting pitcher to me. I think the example we saw today, though, was was he, he kind of struggled to command his pitches and put guys away, and ended up throwing ninety something pitches in four innings, which is kind of you know, it's always going to be the concern with him. He doesn't have pinpoint command, but the stuff is is really pretty nasty. You know, I think I. He, I think he struck somebody on a 97-mile-an-hour or 98-mile-an-hour sinker today, which is, you know, we're not huge fans of sinkers necessarily, but when you're throwing them that hard, I mean, sure, go ahead. Um, yeah, and the breaking balls, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I almost wonder if... I almost wonder if he's someone who might need to like pare down, you know, just the amount of pitches he's throwing too, because it's just like the, you know, the cutting four seamer, and then you know this power sinker, and then he's got a slider and the curveball, you know, and the changeup, and it's like, yeah, maybe I don't know, maybe he needs to be more of like a, a three pitch guy. Although having both fastballs is pretty nice. There aren't very many guys who can kind of do that and go up and down like that with a with two distinct fastballs, but yeah. Yeah, but so far, I don't know. It's been more encouraging to me than I think I than I expected, at least. But yeah, we'll just yeah, see I, if the I, command kind of. I don't think there's any harm a bit more. in keeping starting him for you know as long as he stays healthy. Just keep starting him and see if he can do it. Because you know what else are you going to lose? Uh, but I do think, like you said, I, I I would like, I I would like to see him yeah, eventually yeah, who else move into start? that late inning role where he's <laughs> yeah. just throwing the four seamer and the slider. Or, you know, and occasionally peppering in the other pitches just to keep guys off balance and, and see what he could do then. Because I think we saw the first inning today, he struck out the side. He gave up a couple weak weak hits and gave up a run. But you give him one trip to the order, I think he could do some damage. 
Yeah, and that's kind of been his M.O. It seems like, you know, ever since he sort of started to get healthy in 2017, is it seems like he comes out and he's real good and then, you know, gets a little wilder as the game goes along, gets a little more nibbly, gets into some trouble and doesn't necessarily handle handle it that well. So, yeah, I think that is still still a question mark there. Um, and I don't know, maybe it'll speak a little bit to, like, sometimes I hesitate to even say that the Tigers have a development philosophy. But if they do, you know, it might tell us a little something as to whether or not they, you know, they believe in the let's get some of these guys to the majors as relievers and try to, you know, cash in on them somehow. It doesn't seem like that's what they're doing at all, though, does it? It really feels like they're just going to kind of give everybody all the time. They need. Yeah, yeah, I don't, uh, I agree with you that the, there doesn't seem to be any concrete philosophy that I can parse at this point maybe we'll see it in, in a year or two we'll look back and go okay that's what they were doing i mean if, i don't see anything you know, right if now the yankees had all these pitching all these arms basically like you know how many of the, the top guys would already be in relief you know it seems like at least maybe half of them so yeah they'd just yeah. Be throw hard and get to the major leagues kid because we're i mean obviously the situations are different the yankees are trying to win something and we're not but yeah all right so the starting pitching uh down on the farm has been pretty awesome so far um, everybody's, uh, all the top guys, apart from Franklin Perez being hurt, have looked great. Any, uh, any major impressions that you've taken away? Anybody kind of standing out as having done something different? Well, I, I think I've, I've been a little skeptical of Casey Mize just because every time I seem to see him like on TV, he was getting hit hard. Uh, and I was like, I don't know. And then he goes out and he's absolutely just destroying the hitters in the Florida state league, which I think we all expected based on his draft position and the scouting reports, but not based on what I had seen. But so, so that's a pleasant surprise that is also not all that surprising, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And a little more velocity maybe than I, than I thought he, yeah. that he, that he would regularly have. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Manning, I guess, you know, we saw him come up to, to Erie last year and his first start there was really good. And, uh, you know, second one, he struggled a little bit. It was still fine. I didn't quite expect him to come out, just dominating like he did in his last start, but I'm not terribly shocked by it. I think his stuff is so good that, that it's going to, he's just going to need to face hitters who can force him to locate within the zone. And I, I don't think that's double a. Yeah. I mean, we were, I, I was kind of joking the other day, like, yeah, like, what do you do? You know, do you just tell him, you know, Hey, you're only allowed one, one fastball for per hitter. Cause even, you know, the fastball command has been reasonably good, I think. You know, like, he's still, you know, f pretty solid 45-ish, uh, maybe a little better at times. But, um, you know, he's just pumping it by everybody. Like, they, they can't, you know, they just can't deal with it. And, uh, yeah, he doesn't even have to use anything else. And I've seen, like, the command of the curveball has been kind of kind of lousy so far. Um, the changeup kind of hit or miss, too, but... Yeah, you just don't know. Like, do you have to move? Could you keep moving up? Is it going to be that different? Do you think at, at Toledo, or is it kind of a matter of just like having to, you know, kind of hound him personally? Like, no, we need to see you pegging the catcher's glove more often with everything, you know. And that's what we're looking for. You're competing with yourself, not so much with these guys who are just kind of looking awkward and taking bad swings at you. Yeah, you know, I, I think it, what they want to do with him this year, I assume, is kind of like a true two pronged developmental approach where where there. Are, they're going to be trying to build up the innings more. I think what he threw like 120 last year. Yeah. Yeah. I bet they'd like to see him get to 140 or 150 this year, even, which I mean, you don't see that often in the minors, but if you're building them up, get them used to pitching late into the season and stuff like that. And so if, if he's going to rack up some easy innings early in the year, I think that's probably fine. But at some point I, yeah. I do think they're going to want to challenge him to, like you said, uh, you know, refine the command, refine the change up and, you know, take those next 
steps to becoming a legit major league pitcher. I, I don't think he's too far away, but I think there's still some significant development. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I mean, he might be able to come up right now. I don't know to the majors and like be a pretty good reliever. I'm, I'm really not, not sure. He'd obviously have some trouble here and there, but if his command was on, he'd probably be all right. But to get the full Matt Manning experience, yeah, it seems like um, there, there's still a decent amount of work to be done. But of course, he just turned 21, um, which I have to keep in mind because that's kind of bananas, actually. Because yeah, he really does look almost unhittable so far at the double A yeah, level. Yeah, I mean, you consider what he's he's uh, younger than Mize and pitching at a higher level. And, you know, if a college pitcher was coming out in double A and doing what he was doing, you'd be like, oh, well, all right, <laughs> this is good. So, you know, you got to keep it in context. And staying there in Erie, Alex Fajardo has had two really good starts to start the year, which is good based on what he did in Erie last year where he got kind of uh, hammered. Uh, I, we've seen yeah, a lot of home runs. Yeah. yeah. Like I think he gave up a homer today, but two earned runs in six innings or something like that. that uh, not bad. And he's striking some guys out. So in the early reports, I think you, you – Send us a message that that Tom Riesenberger or whatever I, I don't know his name unfortunately Tom who covers yeah Ryzen, Tom, Ryzen Tom Ryzen Weber for the Erie Gazette yeah. maybe the Erie something yeah. or other paper yeah was saying that that he was you know sitting ninety two ninety four and touching higher which is more than last year and, and something a lot of people are concerned uh, about and if, he, if that's true then maybe we can start to tick up the expectations on Fado a little bit we'll see but it's a good start for sure it's better than him coming out and, and tossing three innings and giving up a bunch of bombs. Yeah, or throwing like eighty nine, ninety one, like he was a lot of last year, and and people kind of questioning his conditioning, and yeah, there was, there was kind of a lot, um, maybe too much. I mean, I mean, you know this better than I do that, like you know, guys' stock can go up and down like crazy, and the development path is usually like spiky. It's not not any kind of an even even curve, so. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe people bailed. I, you know, for me, I just I wasn't that big a fan to begin with, and so I think it was easy for me to just kind of be like, Ugh, I don't know, <laughs> after after watching him last year. But um, yeah, he still seems a little bit homer prone, which to me kind of I, I my feeling about him is just sort of that he he's sort of a short yeah. strider and shows the ball early, and I've just kind of felt like major league hitters are going to see that fastball real well, um, even despite the fact that he's got pretty good tail on it. Um, so yeah, he needs that velocity and I don't know, maybe there's still some tweaks that need, need to come, you know, to get him to maybe close off a little bit more or something like that, hide the ball a little bit, yeah, but I, I, you know, obviously there's work to be done. And I, I do think that, I mean, you're, you're much, much better with pitching mechanics and figuring out what's going on there than I am. Uh, and I, I, so I trust you on this and I do, I agree. I think that his mechanics are probably going to limit his success just it, it, unless he completely changes things. And I don't, I don't see that happening or if they completely change his picks, Mitch, pit. Pitch mix. Yeah, there you go. Not picks, Mitch. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, like you said, you know, was it the other day, Victor Alcantara threw like a 94 mile an hour sinker and he's just got a ton of movement in all his pitches. And I think it was Hunter Dozier, the Royals. He was inside pitch, tons of movement, just turned on it for like a 430 foot home run. I'm like, ooh, all right. And he's not even like that good of a major leaguer, but that's, you know, yeah, these guys could hit. So yeah, they really can. They can. They will destroy the fastball if it's not real good or perfectly located. You know, I guess the one maybe advantage that Fayeto has is that you know his command is pretty pretty well advanced for his age. Um, he does locate pretty well. He doesn't leave too much over the heart of the plate, and if he can kind of refine that, he might be able to sort of save himself some trouble. But it almost feels like a lot of a lot of the development once guys get to the higher level is just figuring out for most guys how to pitch with your fastball and not get murdered. Because by that point, you know, if you're a good prospect, you probably have a good breaking ball. You've probably got a, at least a, a solid changeup. But uh, but it's being able to go out there and throw, you know, 50 or 60% fastballs 
Although teams are obviously shying away from that somewhat too, just for that same reason. But um, yeah, it's figuring out how to get the fastball across for strikes and not, you know, not have to rely too much on it. Yeah, I mean, he's, it's, a, it's, he, he will definitely be one of the interesting guys to watch this year. See uh, uh, if and when he gets up to Toledo, how he handles it. And that would, that would be a nice, if he can figure things out and he takes a step forward and is a, you know, solid back end starter prospect again, then that's a, a little tiny boost to the farm system. So that, that doesn't hurt. Yeah, it's good to have those depth depth starters. I mean, if that's all he is or if he's a reliever and kind of just, you know, goes out there and throws 50% fastball, 50% that, you know, a good slider. I don't know, maybe maybe that works. I kind of pegged him like, looking like Luke Gregerson a little bit last year when he was sitting 90, 91, but if he if he's got more heat, um the slider still looks pretty darn good. So, maybe something like that would work. Yeah, and, and people always I don't know, people tend to like, oh, that sounds like a bust. And it's like you think think back to Andrew Miller who had like a plus plus fastball and a plus plus slider it was considered the number one starter. And, you know, he basically busted hard as a starter, but still had a great major league career as a dominant reliever. It's, it's, you know, it's not, not everybody has the, the, yeah. And time and times are changing. Like the value of, yeah, the value of that is, you know, just totally different. Like Edwin Diaz, I think you yeah. know, was like a 3.2 war closer, you know, or well late in his reliever last year, which is just incredible. Yeah, and then, and then I guess we, uh, we touch on the, the guys in Toledo, Burroughs has, has had a couple nice starts. The first one ran the pitch count up pretty high, but he didn't give up any runs. I don't think maybe one. And, nope, none at yeah. all. And yeah. then I think he was he scoreless again tonight. I think. Uh, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was, and I think he struck out. Economical. Yeah, and he struck out five and didn't walk anybody, if I'm remembering correctly. So it was yeah, it was much more him pounding. Yeah, the which zone. is definitely good good to see from him. I actually thought his his command was pretty good in the first one. He got um he got jacked a little bit on, on quite a few calls from what I saw. Like he was he was all around the zone, um, especially with the fastball. And then the you know, the breaking balls were just kind of a mess until you know, pretty late in that outing and all of a sudden like it was like he found the groove and all of a sudden he's pouring in like maybe maybe not a plus curveball, but pretty close to it, um, really consistently for like four four or five hitters, and it was like, oh, I can see how this guy could start because, I mean, he has been really durable. I mean, he's thrown, I think, 130-plus innings each of the last two years. Um, he's never missed anything um, since since getting uh, drafted as a, you know, as a teenager. He's been really durable, so. Yeah, I mean, he flashes. I, I remember a start last year where he, he was, he had a, a plus changeup the entire game. And I was like, what, where'd this come from? So he, he'll flash it. And I, I don't know, you see, that's the problem of me scouting the box score that first start. One of the... One of the casualties of me doing this nightly podcast is I, I'm missing a lot of live <laughs> minor league games now, so I have to just base on the, the numbers, which is like the old days. But uh, do what I can. Yep, I did a lot of that last year do too. Yeah, you know, like I try to make a point of watching like Manning and you know Fiedo and and anybody who's above, basically everybody above Lakeland because you never see anything from um, the Florida State League really, unless it's you know a road game or something where it happens to be broadcast, but. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, Bo is still only 22 and you know, there's, there's still some development time left for him, obviously. And yeah, if he, it just feels like if he could refine some of the other, his, his secondary pitches a little bit more, there's still a decent chance that he, I think he could be a three, four type guy because, you know, Fangraphs was posting those, that spin rate data now. And I think he was at 2550 RPMs, which is like, you know, that's, that's elite. That's like not that far shy of um, like Justin Verlander, who's I think usually around 2650. 
So, yeah, there's a lot to like there. Big, big Texan. He's Texan. Well, not that big, but fairly big Texan. Is so, he 6'2"? So the one time I doubted to interview him, he <laughs> refused. And I don't, you know, I don't blame him. I mean, whatever, he's a player. He can do whatever he wants. So I didn't, I wasn't able to get close to him. And I am, I'm exactly six feet tall, so that helps for measurement. He looked like he might be 6'2 to me. But again, it was, I was far away. I was mostly taken by his, he had kind of broad shoulders for, I was kind of surprised by that, but... Um, He's really lean. Um, he looks really like muscular and, and lean, um, which is something I kind of noticed in Matt Boyd this year. You know, he, he kind of came on with the, you know, best shape of my yeah. life scenario um, this off season, yeah. like so many do, but Matt Boyd actually kind of looked like it. Uh, he looks like it so far. And yeah, I thought Bo, you know, Bo looks like he's, he's pretty cut, you know, big, broad upper back, like big legs, you know, driving hard down the mountain, whipping fastballs <laughs> at you, Texas style. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I, I noticed Boyd uh, after his start the other day, they were interviewing him. I'm like, whoa, man, he looks kind of gaunt. So yeah, he's definitely lost some weight, but, uh, and it's working so far, so I'm not going to complain. Um, I, I guess we should talk about Funkhauser because he's basically the one top ranked arm who has not pitched well so far, other than you know, Perez who hasn't pitched at all. Um, yeah, and also the eldest of the of the group, and the one who you would think is probably going to start getting a little pressure to to figure something out. Yeah, I don't know how many starts this is in, in Toledo now. I think it's just like four or five, but none of them have been very good. I don't think he seems to really struggle to stay in the zone and keep guys off the bases. And uh, I don't know. He, he definitely seems like one where you, like you said, you know, give him a couple more chances to start, but at some point, just say, all right, go out there, throw one inning throw your fastball and your slider. Let's see what happens. Yeah. He really does feel like he's the one that's really on a, on a quick track to that. Um, I don't know. He just seems, I haven't seen him enough to say either. And I don't want to scuff the box score too much either, but he just seems to have a real bad habit of getting ahead first pitch and then just, just nibbling like endlessly, like not really even that close to the zone and just, you know, just kind of having a, a fear of throwing his, his stuff in there. And it's, you know, I mean, his, his breaking balls aren't, real good or anything like that but the sliders usually average-ish and yeah i don't know he just uh he seems to shy away from contact a little bit too much um and i don't know that might be his 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 real achilles heel if he doesn't kind of figure it out he's a strange guy like the whole i mean you know it better than i but the whole the whole story about him you know at, at louisville and then you know turning down the the dodgers signing him um yeah you just kind of wonder about the about the psyche there like if he just kind of you know, thought he was a little better than he was and is having some trouble there, but I don't know. It's hard to read into all that. Yeah. I, again, we're, we're talking about two starts in the minors at this point, but it's, uh, and I guess the, the one, sort of the more impressive unexpected starts for me is from Tarek Skubal down in Lakeland because, yeah. uh, I mean, we heard good things about him last year and there was some nice scouting reports, but he, he really struggled to throw strikes in college. And, uh, I thought, I thought there was a good chance they'd, they'd send him out as a reliever or if they sent him as a starter, he'd go to West Michigan, but they bumped him to Lakeland. So he's basically there with Mize, and he's pitching really well with good stuff. Uh, like I was yeah. uh, sitting like 92, 95, bumping 97 with a, a potentially average curveball. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, that'll play as a lefty. Oh yeah. With sink and a lot of playing too. Like he's, um, you know, he's, I think he's six two and, um, he gets a lot of, you know, extension. He's kind of, he's kind of a slightly high three quarters arm slot. And yeah, I mean, he's, he's looked pretty impressive. I know, um, you know, James Chipman, Chipman, uh, our buddy is not real prone to like be effusive <laughs> about, uh, about people, um, in general about young players. And, uh, he sounded like pretty stoked about him, uh, from what he saw the other night. 
So, yeah, and I mean, that's a ninth-round pick. I mean, it's a guy who had Tommy John surgery, and maybe, you know, he's just one of those guys who just took a little bit, you know, a little bit extra time to sort of figure his command back out and, and get it working. Um, but, yeah, the Tigers seem like they might have a little little bit of a late-round gem there. Well, not late-round, but well, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> by their standards, anything beyond the second round Yeah, is late it's round. not terribly common to get somebody uh, from the ninth round to, to contribute. So that's, yeah, it's a nice early sign. So, this, I mean, so far... There've been uh, there've been some solid pitching. Elvin Rodriguez had a nice start today after his first start wasn't bad. Uh, Will Hernandez has a couple solid starts. So, so yeah, it, I think pitching is probably going to be ahead of the hitting early in the season anyway, especially in cold weather areas. But hey, like yeah, I always said, it's, that it's, stats don't mean much, too, but yeah. it's better. It's better to have good stats than bad stats. At this point. <laughs> yep, definitely. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to think like with the Tigers, there's there's a lot of that kind of going on where the you know the pitchers are going out there and looking better than they really are and. You know, Nick Cassianos is flying out to the warning track. Miggy's flying out to the warning track quite a bit. You you kind of hope that some of that some of that power is going to come around, but it'll hurt the pitchers when it does. Um, have you heard anything about Carlos Guzman? Um, he was sort of like the the hot the hot little item uh, last year who kind of came on with you know a pretty pretty power fastball changeup combo. Um, he's at West Michigan. Uh, any any notes on him so far? So I think he's on made one. Well, I think right? I saw that he was. Yeah, I think I saw in that start. Uh, he was like 92, 95, and the, the changeup, it's supposed to be his best pitch to change up, and it, it sounded like it wasn't necessarily there for him early in the game, but it showed up later. Um, yeah, so I think I think it's kind Jay, of a field pitch. Jay Markle, yeah, Jay Markle yeah. was kind of saying something yeah. similar, yeah. And I think that the big thing for him is going to be the development of the breaking ball. I think he's got feel for it, but it's just, you know, he doesn't spin it very well. So uh, I, I don't know if, if he does ever find that, then he's a legit interesting starting pitching prospect if not you still got a big arm and a good changeup, and that that could that could work i think the changeup's good enough that he could work as a reliever yeah yeah he's another one who i i looked up the you know the fan graph spin rate data on and it was it was right there with burrows so he's another one who's who could pump 92 95 you know with a lot of rising action on it so and yeah. it really a really athletic like he was a shortstop he's a little bit smaller but he just throws with ease it's really like i just look like he's playing catch out there and i, I kind of like that but yeah, and that kind of brings us to Franklin. Oh no, I was going to say that kind of brings me to Franklin Perez, <laughs> who's a, oh, fair enough. Yeah, who's a guy who you know? I mean, you kind of hear the same things about like you know. I mean, and he is like if you know if you watch him, he's an athletic guy. He's he's big. I mean, he's he's bigger than you think he is. He's a pretty muscular, muscular kid with a with a delivery that kind of like feels high effort, but most of that effort seems to come from his lower half. Um, but man, that arm slot and you, and the and the shoulder trouble, you just um, you just really wonder and. They they just haven't been able to get more than you know like a start or or two out of him before he gets shut down again. Ever since we got him, um, do you think the Tigers like do something you know radical at this point, like try to change the arm slot? Or I, I don't really know what you do. Boy, you know I, I worry about that sometimes. I, I'm kind of like I was worried when before Fulmer got hurt. I'm like I don't I don't know. Don't mess with his mechanics too much because I just I yeah. worry. It, it, you know, you know about this better than I do. The whole the kinetic chain or whatever, the the series of events that leads up to releasing the ball. If you if you screw up one part of that, then more more pressure goes into another part, and if it's in the wrong part, then bad things can happen. But like you're saying, we've got three injuries now for Perez, so uh, they may want to look at something for sure. I, I would hope that they had him there at the you know the U of M biomedicine scanning or whatever that I think they did with the, a couple of the other guys just to find out if, if everything's working correctly. But I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think he was that injury prone in Houston. He may have had some issues 
but I don't think it was anything big. So I, it could just be bad luck, but you do have to worry. Yeah, I didn't ever hear anything. Yeah, for sure. I didn't ever hear anything yeah, about injuries in Houston. He just never had thrown very yeah, many innings. He was so young. And maybe so that was, young. yeah, that's true too. And he was a converted third baseman. So he'd really only been pitching like two years when we got him. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to know what to do. I, I do like the fact that the Tigers did kind of like reach out to U of M and kind of get some kind of, you know, interplay between them and their, I don't know if it's their sports medicine department or their exercise science department, something. Um, Cause it just, yeah, it just seems like, and and I don't dog the Tigers for this particularly. Actually, I, I kind of feel like the Tigers haven't have been on the better side of, of the pitcher injury, you know, ledger um, over the years. And maybe that's just because they had Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer kind of outweighing, uh, outweighing some of the other issues. But yeah, you know, I mean, you kind of look at how they handled Fulmer this year, you know, where they're still letting him, you know, throw full force, even though he's telling them, you know, my, you know, I'm not feeling right with this knee brace and, you know, my drive isn't right off the mound. And it's just impossible to draw like a direct straight line from that to him blowing his elbow out. He's had elbow, you know, he's had bone chips removed before. He'd had the ulnar nerve messed with a couple times. So maybe this was just, just brewing, but, um, but it also kind of plays into my, my fears about <laughs> the way they're handing Daniel Norris too, where, you know, it's, it, it is easy to underestimate how much the the lower half has to do with things and think that, well, if your arm isn't hurt, you know, if, if you haven't blown your elbow out, yeah, you can still pitch, you know, and they, you know, they probably came pretty close to, you know, blowing Justin Verlander's shoulder out in 2014. Well, in, in that case, Justin Verlander yeah. probably came pretty close to doing it himself because you weren't really going to yeah. tell him any other way, but so, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to parse those things. There's always that risk, risk reward. Like at that point in time, like the Tigers were all in, they're trying to win. You know, you probably had to tie Justin Berlander down to not get him in there. But because we're so far from that now, you'd think they'd be a little bit more judicious in how they, you know, they let guys go when they're not throwing well and, and not looking right. And Fulmer didn't look right. And to me, Norris doesn't really quite look right either. And, you know, some of that may still be, you know, like, yeah, he's just, he had his mechanics compromised for a year and a half. And, but even from the beginning, like he's been a guy who doesn't drive off the rubber particularly well. And, um tends to kind of have that sort of like planted front leg and then almost like recoil off of it because he's not really, not really carrying that much momentum out over his front leg. Um, so yeah, I don't know. All those things have me, have me worried. <laughs> I don't know. And it just feels like, you know, the Tigers aren't doing anything anyway. So it's like, why not be a little bit more careful get some professionals involved here? You know, the dudes had the same groin injury for a year and a half and you haven't been able to get it right. It's like, what, what the hell's going on over there? Yeah. Well, you know, it seems like when you listen to, to people who are, you know, you know, national baseball commentators, they talk about, they feel like one of the next big frontiers is better sports medicine. You know, teams having a better idea of, of what their pitchers mechanics are and, and being able to heal them better and get them right. So they don't get hurt. And, uh, again, this feels like an area in which maybe the Tigers are a little bit behind. I don't want to blame their obese trainer, but it's not a good look. Yeah, it kind of isn't. And I mean, maybe there's like four or five teams that are really cutting edge and everybody else is kind of still doing it the old fashioned way. I don't know if the Tigers are, are unique in that regard, but it doesn't feel like they're, yeah, they're anywhere near the cutting edge. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, pitcher injuries is just such a, such a complicated subject. And, you know, I've heard from a lot of people um, over the years that, you know, like teams just don't really spend that much on, on their medical staff. You know, it's not like they're going out there and getting like the, you know, getting actual, you know, you know, doctors and like, you know, sports physiologists and, yeah. you know, 
high-end people like where's you know i keep bringing up <laughs> Andy Gao, you know yeah yeah i know it doesn't make any sense you know you have these investments in these guys and it just seems like they take it on the cheap and eight million dollars on mike pelfrey but you won't spend 300 grand on a, a legit like good team doctor yeah like t- talk to that that annie Gao doctor lady who fixed justin berlin yeah. like why doesn't why doesn't she have a job with the tigers right now oh yeah absolutely yeah i don't know i wonder about these things yeah all right, let's move on from from the starters a little bit because I mean I'm not, I don't want to harp on this too much, but it was just kind of a funny night in which like the Tigers got four really good starting pitching performances, and I think they had three different blown saves <laughs> so far on the evening. Um, nobody we were really relying on, but um, the, I don't know. I, I, was there anybody who kind of um, you were you had high hopes for who hasn't really impressed so far, or are you kind of looking at like Ecker and those guys as sort of like eh, just kind of kind of guy? Yeah, not, not really. I mean. There was a point when I thought Ecker could have been something. You know, he was supposedly hitting close to 100 out of out of college with a an above average split change, and he's just hasn't been any good in pro ball. Um, and then Zach Houston blew it tonight for Toledo. i still I still don't really know what to think about Zach Houston. It's it seems it's kind of smoke and mirrors with him that that weird delivery and the jumping off the rubber and the subpar command. But it's also just early in the season, so I don't know. But yeah, I think Erie, Erie was kind of out of luck because Toledo cut Paul Volker and called up Eduardo yeah, Jimenez, was... so their normal closer was gone. So they had to go to Ecker, and he just yeah, immediately loaded the bases. Yeah, they do still have Schreiber. I mean, when when Volker got cut today, I was kind of like, oh, is this the time you know Schreiber comes up? But no, they went with they went with Jimenez. So yeah, I don't I don't know I don't know how much has Schreiber pitched this year. I haven't paid. You know, I, have, I guess I could look right now, but yeah, I could look for you. Hang on. I've got it. Uh, I've got the Erie right here. So two two games, three innings, seven strikeouts. <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe they could have gone to him. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and he's a little older, you know. Yeah, Ecker kind of reminded me of, of he and Velker both kind of felt the same, like d- different stuff, but both kind of smaller guys who you know came out throwing, you know, occasionally like touching a hundred or ninety nine and. Just maybe can't hold up to the to the workload or something. Yeah, and and like it's small, they don't get much play, and they leave a lot of fastballs up, and it's it's a recipe for disaster, especially unless you have like a super high spin fastball, and it doesn't yeah. appear that they did. But yeah, um, and you got Erie's yeah, and then, ballpark, so, yeah, which yeah, seems to be a bit of a home run park these days. Yeah, but uh, Toledo did end up pulling it out after you know the kind of the wacky minor league extra innings. So they scored two runs, I think, in the tenth, and then. Norfolk scored two runs too, and then they scored a couple more, I think, in the eleventh and one. But yeah, a little bit of yeah. chaos there. Yeah, it is kind of strange. For it seemed like, seems like for a while, all the Tigers had were relief prospects, and it seems like they're a little bit short on them now. They, I mean, it, it didn't help that Brian Garcia got hurt, but he should be coming back soon. And we've already seen Jason Foley come back. His first, I don't know, it was tonight was his third outing or second, but inning pitched, two strikeouts. Uh, I don't know. I expect some decent things from him. We'll see at higher levels. Yeah, he was touching uh, ninety nine according to Chipman. I saw, so that's a that's a good sign that, that the velocity's yeah. basically back. That works for me. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Zach Houston's a weird one just because of that delivery. Like it gives him, you know, some deception and, and that extension. But it also it just seems like it's really hard for a guy like that to ever command anything. Like Carter mm-hmm. Caps could never keep it together for any length of time. So yeah, I don't really know what to think about it. He might be a guy who gets in a groove for you sometimes and looks unhittable for a little bit, and then you know just falls apart. Yeah, I mean, his minor league stats have been outstanding, but again, I feel like a lot of times, and I feel, to a certain extent, I feel the same way about Shriver, where I think it's just an interesting look for hitters, and the minor leaguers can't handle it, but major leaguers, like, you can't really tell if they're going to get major leaguers out until they get up to the major leagues, so. 
Yeah, guys who are relying on, on deception or, or something funky, yeah, you just don't know how it'll play. Yeah. I guess, you know, maybe you could test that in the spring, but hitters aren't at their at their best at that point anyway, yeah, so it's hard to say. Yeah, and I don't think, uh, I think, I don't, I remember Houston getting into at least one or two games, but I don't think Shriver did this year. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. No, I, don't, I didn't think I, I saw him. Like, the, the only thing that I took away from the Tigers relievers in, in spring training was really like, hey, that Jose Cisnero guy looks really good. Yeah, that was surprising. Um, you know, and he was like a career, yeah, career kind of, you know, had floundered for five or six years. I don't know. He was playing like Mexican winter ball or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he might, he might be someone they could call up at some point. Yeah, if you find arms, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if we see him. But uh, I don't know. That's, uh, I don't know what else uh, if, in the pitching realm. There's no, anything to talk about, really. Yeah, that's about it. I did see, okay, on the hitting side of things, Parker Meadows, um, you know, had kind of struggled early on. Obviously, it doesn't really matter that much. It's pretty pretty early in the in the season here, but um, but he did have a pretty good game tonight. I think he I think he had three hits tonight. Yeah, a including double. a double and a walk. I think yeah, it's probably his first first good game, first extra base hit, I believe. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we all know like the tools are really you know are really pretty strong, apart from maybe the hit tool. But um, I mean, do you kind of have any insight on the you know like some of the challenges he might face, kind of adapting to better pitching as he goes along here? Well, yeah, I think. Uh... I mean, you're talking about, I think he's 19. He's facing a lot of former college pitchers. And so it's, it's definitely going to be the hardest competition he's seen on a regular basis. And just, yeah, a guy that height is always going to have holes in his swing. It's rare for, I mean, even Aaron Judge, you know, strikes out a ton just because he's 6'8". Uh, so, yeah, I'm not, I, I, I'm not an expert at any kind of mechanics, hitting or pitching. But yeah, I just I, I kind of hope and sort of expect to see him get slightly better as the season goes on, just as he faces more uh, tough competition. And I'm hoping for like a mid 200s batting average. But I, I do think it's going to be challenging. It's cold. He's what a Georgia kid. Um, yeah, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't. I mean, the pretty long levers, like kind of a long, kind of a long swing. Even though it seems like he's got pretty solid bat speed for his age there's there's kind of a lot yeah kind of gangle going on there that he may just need to build some build some muscle and reps up to to sort of start to yeah, overcome, and, and I, yeah. You know, i've only seen like 10 at bats from him but he seems to recognize the pitch fairly well he just i've seen him swing and not barrel up the ball in the zone a lot a lot of foul balls so i don't know if that's a swing path thing or just it's probably most likely just me trying to figure out something from a very small sample, but, um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It, well, yeah, and sometimes you're not really, you know, you, you know, this, it's like, you're trying, you're not necessarily expecting to figure it out, but you're trying to get like, uh, some kind of marker on, on a guy's tool. And then, so that next time you see him, you can kind of check on that. And like, is, you know, did I see something there or is that, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky process. Like being a scout must be like just, you know, the most odd, like Kafka esque labyrinth of relativity, you know, possible trying to communicate what these like eighteen-year-old guys are going to do. You know, five down your five years down. The well, road. In, in that one, I I hate to get too negative about it, but this is what I, I kind of say every time I think about Parker Meadows is, is the Tigers. I mean, who have they developed as a hitter? Like, I mean, I think too. You got Nick Castellanos, but I really don't think he's that different of a hitter than he was out of high school. Like, obviously, yeah. he got better. Yeah, but, but it does feel like it was pretty much like natural take, gifts. Yeah. Yeah, they did, he was a kid with you know opposite field power, like you know right center gap power and, and good bat to ball skills and a, kind of a free swinger. But 
enough hard contact to make it work and still kind of who he is <laughs> like what's uh, eight years later but yeah I, I Kristen don't know. Stewart I'm, too like Kristen Stewart doesn't look that yeah. much different than yeah. when they got him either yeah You're right exactly the same the, the, the guys that and I don't know you know Lynn Henning will say that player development doesn't exist in that way where you're, you're not turning a bad player into a good player but it'd be nice to have a couple examples of guys who, who weren't yeah. necessarily highly regarded and suddenly I don't know swing change more contact something worked but yeah, and you do see guys that, ha- uh, you know, kind of, you know, they have the physical ability, you know, and, and there's just, you know, the, there's something relatively small that, that has to be fixed. Like, you know, I mean, we brought up Dawel Lugo a lot last year, you know, like, you know, we, and we've kind of dogged him because, you know, there's just not that much there considering he was sort of the, the premium piece for J.D. Martinez. But, you know, I mean, there's just an ob- obvious mechanical issue there where he just does not drive the ball in the air hardly ever. I mean, he hits the ball pretty hard he doesn't strike out very much doesn't walk really at all either but he does hit the ball you know with consistent you know you know solid exit velocity and stuff but um you know there's just a there's just a thing there and you kind of wonder like you know what what is what are you seeing that you're not you know radically making a change but of course it's it's hard to get players to make big changes when they've always been successful um and i and maybe that's the psychological challenge maybe that's another aspect teams need to explore more and it feels like the dodgers maybe the team that are really good at, at talking guys into trying something and the Rays as well. No, oh, absolutely. I mean, they, you see time and time again, the players go to those two teams and suddenly get better. It, and could be something as similar, as simple as like Fernando Rodney moving to the other side of the mound. And suddenly he's like, had one of the best relief seasons ever, but you know, we see Tyler glass now and Austin Meadows, Parker's brother, they're off to awesome starts. And it's like, those are guys that basically Pittsburgh kind of gave up on and, I don't know. It's it, yeah. the Rays are cleaning up based on other team scraps, and yeah, I'm kind of jealous. Yeah, I know. It's like I, you know, our buddy, our buddy Mark Garage screams about you know hiring Kyle Bloom like relentlessly, but it's like yeah, why why aren't we poaching some of, some of these people there or at the Astros? Meanwhile, the the Dodgers just hired Will Rhymes as was he their head of player development? Am I right about that? What, Will Rhymes? Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. I need to look this up real quick because yeah, we were like, what? Yeah. Why did the, why weren't the Tigers in on this guy? We know Will Ryan's well, I know. I mean, the Dodgers, the Dodgers did hire uh, as their hitting coach one of those hitting gurus. That was it, Craig Wallenbrock or whatever, or his deputy oh, yeah. that, that helped JD, like the, the swing change. Meanwhile, guy, we're, so. still, we're still rolling. That's out just one of the things. I, 2005 Twins and Tigers coaching staff here. Like, what the hell? Well, that's exactly it. I, that's the criticism I, I hear the most from kind of the the, the very knowledgeable baseball fans is like, why aren't the Tigers just going out and getting these guys instead of trying to teach these old scouting types, the new ways. Yeah. It's uh, you, you don't have to replace them all, but go get some. Yeah. I mean, they have, they have men's in, in the analytics department, but it's not enough. Yeah. You just don't know how much clout those guys have when, you know, Dave Littlefield, David Chad, those guys have been there a long time. And, you know, if I, I could actually get a lot more behind Alavila and Ron Gardenhire, both, if they, you know, showed any kind of commitment to like hiring, you know, young kind of, you know, committed to sort of the more modern thinking and the use of technology type type guys. Like, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm not someone who totally dismisses like some of the old school, just baseball knowledge, like just experience and stuff. But you've got to balance it out with knowing what the hell's going on now. And it, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. It's Will Rhymes is the director of player development for the Dodgers. That's baffling. I had no idea he was still around. No, me neither. And didn't Don Kelly take on a position with them, or he's? I think he went to the Astros, didn't he? Was it like a? Oh yeah, yeah. A hitting coach or something. 
then because uh, he was I think he was scouting for the Tigers. Yeah, he was for a while. But yeah, it's like you know these are these are our guys. <laughs> why, why, why aren't we? Uh... Yeah. <laughs> oh, he, he's their first base coach, the Astros' first base coach right now. Oh, there, yeah, we, I think we we were discussing this a little earlier today about sometimes I mean you have these guys in your system in the minor leagues and you know they're not really going to go anywhere, but you love them for their baseball minds or whatever that they think are connections. I think like, I think the guy, the, the agent or the scout who signed Casey Mize is Justin Henry was a former Tigers minor leaguer. And it's, you know, you make these relationships and keep the guys in the, in the league. So I'm kind of surprised. Although I think, I don't know if there was a great exit for Will, Will Rhymes out of the organization. He was a, a little bit of a feisty character yeah. and maybe thought he was a little bit better than he was. But uh, no, now we see him developing yeah. players. And maybe, yeah, maybe he was smarter. Maybe he was smarter than they thought, but just couldn't put it into practice yeah. himself. And yeah, you kind of kind of have to wonder about some guys like that. But yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I hate to come off so negative all the time. I mean, it's kind of a drag. Like I like to just root for the team. Hey, Ashley and I podcast. We spent thirty minutes talking about all the good having a good time. Yeah, exactly. We talked all about the good pitchers, but yeah, just organizationally, you know, I mean, the Tigers did a bunch of good things. Like, you know, we saw, you know, okay, they finally, finally invested and got like, you know, the Rapsodo machines to measure spin rate, spin access and all that kind of stuff. They got themselves at least a couple high speed cameras, although the quality of those may be debatable. Um, And then, you know, I mean, they did those things. They got the weighted plates. They've got the analytics database built up. They did a little bit with U of M sports science. Um, you know, I mean, it feels like they're they're doing the right things to catch up to where every you know the top teams were a couple of years ago. But it's just how do you um, how do you get ahead and pioneer that when you've got guys who have have been doing this in a very set fixed way for you know 20, 20 plus years without you know, I mean, I, I, it's really hard to quantify success for guys like Littlefield and Chad or like what they do behind the scenes. But you know, they, they don't seem like anybody's ever come calling for them to you know to poach him away from us, which doesn't seem like a good sign either. No, and I'll be honest, I think this, the Tigers, the spring training was the first time I'd ever heard of those, those plates, you know, the batting stance plates. And I was like, well, that's interesting. I, I, you know, basically measuring where they're putting the pressure or whatever. Uh, so that, yeah, that was something interesting to see and, and hear, but I don't know. Uh, we, I think we're just trying to be realistic and not, not too, uh, not too high on stuff. Of course, we want to see them do well and want yeah. to see success, and then go say, "Hey, well, you know, we're, our skepticism was unfounded." But uh, until until they do it, I remain unimpressed. <laughs> unimpressed. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pretty unimpressed as well. Like I, you know, and and I kind of feel like I might be the high man on on the farm system out of like kind of all of our group who who talks about these these issues, and I'm still like, yeah, kind of see the way they handle things at the major league level, some of the decision making that goes on, and yeah, you know, just just a lot of um, a lot of guys who've been around a long time and haven't you know particularly d- done that much. It's like you know the Tigers are like a union shop or something. <laughs> Maybe that's the Detroit yeah. uh, the, the Detroit in them is that you know oh, this guy's earned the job. You know he's done it a long time, worked his way up. You know whereas you know the Dodgers or the Astros would just punch you to the curb and hire some whiz kid out of MIT who's 32 and put him in charge of an entire department immediately and to say, hey, do your thing. Well, you know, I think thus far in the season, obviously it's still very early, basically the farm system is holding up the way we expected, that the pitchers, the top pitchers have been the ones with the really impressive kind of spectacular performances and that the hitters are just kind of steadily doing their thing. Daz Cameron's had a couple good games, uh, a couple rough games, but he's still, I think he's hitting close to 300, hitting for a little bit of power, getting on base. And Paredes is hitting the ball hard, and it's kind of what you expect. The only 
Yep. Looking looking almost casual at, yeah. at, at Erie <laughs> the last time I saw him. And Stuart. Just looks like this is not, you know. Not, Stuart. Yeah. Stuart's doing sort of yeah. what we expected, like we were saying earlier. Uh, the one exception early is Winslow Perez, who's off to a a pretty brutal start in West Michigan with at the plate and in the field. He's got four errors yeah. already. Um, oh, does he? I didn't know that. I just knew the bat wasn't uh, wasn't doing much, nor is Jake Rogers' bat. Although yeah. this kind of feels like the repeat of the first part of last season where like for two months he, he could not make any hard contact at all. And then I don't know what he did, but figured something out. But they've got – it just seems like Jake Rogers, they've got all screwed up right now. Like every time I see him, he's doing – something a little different, you know, they've got his hands low and yeah. his hands are back high a little bit and he's presenting the bat knob to the catcher and then he's straight up and down again. Yeah, and the kick is half as high and then the kick is back. Changes his stance more than Cal Ripken. And it's like, uh, all right, well he, he could pull it off. I'm not sure Jake can, but yeah, I don't, I don't know that that's, it's just like we said, it's, it's a pitching heavy system. The pitching is done pretty well. The, the few solid offensive players are mostly doing well. We, we hope to see more from Parker Meadows and hopefully in the draft coming up, they will be able to get another impact bat and then, you know, things yeah. can start to progressing, I think. But yeah. And hopefully trade, you know, hopefully find some pieces yeah. to trade for another good bat um, sometime around the deadline. Well, here's a, here's a, yeah. On that, on that note, you know, coming into the year, I was, I was kind of one of the big questions to me was do the Tigers use Fulmer and Boyd and Norris as, as the building blocks for the next contender or do they trade them? And of course, Fulmer's gone by the wayside and, and Norris is, still up in the air but Boyd has been awesome so the question is what do you do with Boyd this year because he might be your best trade ship now yeah and I think you know with with the pitcher you know especially because Boyd is a little bit older um, Boyd is already 28 whereas Norris and Fulmer I think are both still 25 maybe turning 26 this year yeah you kind of feel like um, you know Boyd is really coming into his own I've had a great time writing uh, writing comprehensive analytics articles about Matt Boyd so far because it's just been such a bananas transformation for him. I, you know, I hated him when I first saw him um, in 2015. He had that sort of like, you know, it was like high three quarters. There's all this like, you know, he reaches back and down. It was just a goddamn mess, you know, and he's hanging changeups left and right. And then, you know, all the changes to lower the arm slot and then to, you know, change his slider twice and finally find the right one. Um, it's been impressive. Yeah, and that's one of those things. That boy is an impressive individual. The uh, the great article in the Ringer a, a couple weeks back about when they got the treasure trove of scouting notes from the Reds. In, in the second article in that, they were talking about the big thing that scouts miss is when players won't let themselves fail. Basically, they they will keep trying new things and keep uh, you know it's basically makeup. And yeah, you see Boyd is going out there and training with driveline and stuff, and essentially doing it on his own. I, I don't know how much the Tigers' input is is weighed into that, but. Yeah, he's, he's remade himself as a pitcher, and you, you were the one to point out to me that he basically canned the sinker. It, it's basically a four-seam slider guy with a couple couple sinkers every now and then and the occasional change of curve. But and I just noticed today that, I don't know if it was StatCast or somebody, there was an article about early season surprises, and he was their starting pitcher for that and pointing out the same thing, that he's, he's gotten rid of the sinker and he's pitching off his good stuff now. Yeah. Yeah, and, so, and it's interesting how that works sometimes where you'd think like, oh, this guy needs a new pitch or he needs to change a pitch. And sometimes you just need to ditch what's bad. Um, I don't know. We kind of talked about um, Anibal Sanchez, who, you know, ever basically since, you know, he had that first shoulder injury in 2014, he just could not succeed with the sinker anymore. It was just getting killed. And then the launch angle era kicks in where guys are, are taking those fastballs that aren't 
aren't particularly lively or, or fast at the bottom of the zone and just bombing them out of there. And it was like, just stop throwing it. And he finally had to go to Atlanta where they, I don't know if they did it or if he did, but he just finally realized like, nope, I'm going to mix in the cutter, the four seamer and throw a lot of changeups and just, just get rid of that pitch. Cause it's no good. Um, yeah. It's interesting how, the, how those things work out. And I just wonder a lot about the conversations sometimes like who, who instigates those, like who is good about talking someone into, into making changes. Um, you know, there were a bunch of articles last year when the Rays started playing with the opener and all these bullpenning experiments about, you know, like how Kevin Cash had to kind of keep going back and forth between the analytics department and the relief core and like try to explain, like, <laughs> I know this all seems crazy, but, you know, <laughs> this is going to work. You know, we, we have a theory. We have we have a plan. It's hard to yeah, do that. And baseball players, I think, for the most part, if if they might be skeptical, but if they try something and it works, they will do it over and over again. Because, <laughs> like, yeah, they're, they're competitive. Yeah. They want to win. So... Yeah, it, yeah, but getting them to make those make that first attempt maybe to change it when you know they've been pretty successful up to a point is you know there, there's always those sort of leaps out into unknown territory for them that yeah it just seems like a lot of guys don't don't want to take. I mean, you know, Casey Mize was another yeah. good example. I, you know, one of the things that really impressed me was that he you know went and worked on it himself this off season and, and looked at his slider and kind of thought it was a weakness and tried to develop a whole new pitch. Um, you know, that, that seems like a good sign of a guy who's, who's not going to beat yeah. himself. I was honestly, I was just about to say that, like, that was the most encouraging thing about Mize to me, like, you know, <laughs> the, the stuff and all that, but the, the fact that he was really invested in learning what was happening with his pitches in, in trying to refine stuff. I'm like, all right, well, this is, this is something that will, it might not work immediately, but he's going to keep trying. So I, I like that. <laughs> not, not that every pitcher isn't like that, but you never know. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, yeah. And so, you know, and some guys just aren't that way and it works anyway. You know, they're, they're just animals, you know, they, they can just do it or they, or they kind of got it dialed right in the, in the first place. Like Matt Manning strikes me as kind of the opposite. Yeah. Cause I, 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 you know, I see him as like a pretty smart, you know, smart guy, really hard worker, like really focused, like kind of an, you know, an intense person. But you know, the couple times I talked to him, he didn't really seem particularly invested in yeah. like his stuff or, or his mechanics yeah. or any of that sort of thing. Like he just, you know, he wants to keep it simple and just go out there, you know, with, with attitude and, and make it work. And maybe that'll work for him. But as we've discussed, like his, his arsenal sort of, you know, sort of doesn't match up with the way, you know, like guys who have a power, power sinker, you kind of want them to have a slider. It's, it's not always this way, obviously, like Charlie Morton succeeded with a, you know, a running two seamer and a curveball once everybody got him sorted out. But, um, yeah, you wonder if he's going to be the type to play with those sort of things or if he's going to have to wait until he's in the, the majors, probably, until he's really getting hit hard to, to you know, kind of have a wake-up call on some of those yeah, things. Yeah, and, and I, you've interviewed him. I interviewed him one time uh, this winter, and I asked him directly, you know, do you care about the analytics stuff? He said, no, not really. <laughs> and, and that's fine. Like you said, it's, it's, he just focuses on what he, what he does. Uh, and, you know, you know who else didn't care about that stuff? Justin Verlander. <laughs> he, didn't, he just so happened to have... Yep elite spin on his fastball and, and a great curveball and and now he cares as he's got older uh, but yeah like you said you, you don't necessarily need that to succeed I, I just kind of like to see it uh, but and like you said he maybe Manning will improve on that and, and you were the first one to point out to me that he'll accidentally throw a cutter every now and then yeah and it's a it's a, like a super nasty pitch and I'm like I know I kind of like to see him use that. that yeah really it's like you know he gets compared to Glasnow a little bit and I don't know if you saw what Glasnow was doing the other day it's like a 97 mile an hour cutter. I'm like, well, that will work. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bananas pitch. It really is. And, uh, and yeah, Matt will throw that accidentally, but you know, actually his arsenal is pretty, pretty different from glass now. And so well, is yeah. his, so is his yeah. action really like they're both big, tall guys, but Manning drops more. And 
Although I did notice, like, he, he seemed to be resisting a little more on the front side, which which made me happy the go. other day. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe that's just a matter of, like, building up your legs to the point where you can, you know, resist whatever, 220 pounds of man <laughs> falling down the mound. Somebody once calculated... Yeah, somebody once calculated like the force that Justin Verlander must be like, um, you know, basically like pressing um, with his front leg, and it was something ludicrous, you know. But they were like, you know, look at the acceleration. Of, you know, I mean, you could see why Justin Verlander generates so much of his force from his legs because you know he he gets into a bent position and then he extends that thing, you know, to a ridiculous extent, and his hips, you know, his hips just fire naturally, and zip, there you yeah, go. Like, Thirty six years old, ninety seven. Yeah, he's a freak. He's a freak. Used to be our freak. Really? Yeah, what are you going to do? I know, I know. Yeah. He was our super freak, but, and he's checked out. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't I don't know. It, uh, it, like I said earlier, it's exciting. It's fun to watch these guys. I, I want to get out and see them live uh, soon, maybe once the weather warms up a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's about it. Um, was there someone? Oh, you know, I, I wondered if you'd heard anything about Willie Castro, cause just because I know he's off to a good start. I mean, it's real early. But I know he's got like an 850 OPS or something so far. Haven't haven't heard anything specific about him. So just I, I got to watch him take one or two at bats tonight. Uh, one was a nice liner. I think it went off the second baseman's glove. Um, and then another one was a ground out. But he's he's still aggressive. He still swings like he's trying to hit a home run every time, which I'm okay with for now. Yeah, um, take your hacks a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and he's putting the ball in play. It's he said he's not walking it much, but and there was uh, the the. The run that tied the game in the ninth tonight was a ground ball, and it. And I've been I was impressed with his defense at shortstop in spring training, but this one he looked like he got a late jump and kind of let it get through him. So, I don't know. I, I assume we, we will see him at some point this year, just because he's on the forty man already, and uh, yeah. you know, Mercer might pull a hamstring or something like that. And I don't yeah, know if you want to play guess... Goodrum every day. Yeah, I mean, I kind of do, but yeah, it doesn't seem like they do. <laughs> well, I'm ready to run yeah, Goodrum yeah, out in center sure. field for like, you know, a month straight just to see what happens at this point. But yeah, I don't no, think yeah, I do it at shortstop. I don't think you want him every day at shortstop. Oh, I, I oh, want to see him. Oh, yeah, okay. I want to see him play every day. He's been the, their best player so far. But Yeah, yeah, he really is. He's hitting the hell out of the ball. Yeah. Is there anybody else that you that you kind of think might get more of a role um, who's at AAA or even AA right now who you might see? Do you, I mean, do you think Jacob Robson's going to get added to the 40 and, and get some kind of a shot at some point? Yeah, I, I think he will. I think Gardenhire, I think when they mentioned when they were talking about uh, when they, they DFA'd Matuk and they brought up Jones, they were he said, he mentioned, like, well, we got two guys, that did, two lefties in AAA who are swinging at okay. So he didn't say him by name. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, I think... I'm not entirely sure about them as prospects, but I do think we'll see them at some point. It will re- require some decluttering of the 40-man, but as we often discuss, that shouldn't be an issue. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've all got a list of at least five guys that we would just never miss. But but yeah, I, I think they're going to want to see those guys in action just because of the, the, there will be a coming 40-man crunch with actual legitimate prospects in the next two or three years. So get these kind of fringe guys up and see if they can do something before before they get pushed out of the way. Yeah, we're kind of getting to that point where the upper minors are actually somewhat somewhat crowded at, at some of the key positions and you know they're gonna obviously we're gonna pick up guys in the draft and and presumably trade at least you know a player or two for someone so yeah it does feel like I you know I kind of came into this year thinking like I bet the Tigers will really slow play everything this year and maybe they will but at a certain point you just you can't stem the tide and it does feel like some of these guys are gonna have to um have to get a look maybe Nick Castellanos gets traded and they call up you know Daz and Robson or something I don't know yeah. we'll just well, see how it goes and I think they still believe in Victor Reyes so oh, you know they love Victor Reyes. Yeah. Yeah. I so that, into, yeah, I mean, they're, 
Well, there was that article in um, Fangraphs that kind of mentioned um, Jacob Robson as like a swing change candidate. You know, like this is a guy who, you know, he hits the ball pretty hard. You know, he's got good plate discipline if he just hit the ball in the air more. And all I could think of was like Lloyd McClendon. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. And Robson is a, he does seem like the classic guy who, who doesn't do that because he, in college and in early minors, he's like a slap and dash hitter. Like you said, yeah, he, he has a little bit of power. He, I think most of his home runs are opposite field. Um. Yeah, and he would make a, a good candidate, but instead he's one of the most prolific ground ball hitters in minor league baseball. So, uh, right alongside Victor Reyes, Donald Lugo. Yeah, I'd say Lugo probably. Uh, something you know, something you know that the shift has taught me, and I guess I just didn't realize this when I was younger, is that how many guys like I mean, almost any ball that goes to the opposite field yeah. is in the air. So maybe that makes sense for Robson. You know, guys, guys who put the ball on the ground, tend to pull it on the ground. And, and, you know, when they're a little bit late, the bat is kind of angled and they, they get the ball in the air a little bit more. So I don't know, maybe there'll be something there, but yeah, I, you just always, you just always wonder, it's gotta be, I, you know, I wonder a lot because the Tigers had such poor grades. Like we, we were all kind of like really interested to see some of the, you know, the, 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 ra- the rankings from baseball prospectus and fan graphs and baseball America and, you know, baseball prospectus in particular just took an absolute shit on the Tigers yes, system, yes. but, but really nobody, um, you know, everybody kind of backed off even more and you just, you just don't know, is that the player or is that their sense of how the development, you know, is coming and, and what the organization is doing with them. So I don't know. We'll have to see if they're right. I would advise all those young players out there to, um, to read bless you boys and Tigstown and study hard and teach yourself <laughs> some things. Yeah, you could do yeah. it. You can do it on yeah. your own. That's right. Get yourself. We'll get yourself a blast motion sensor. And, you know, wrap soda machine, swing plane trainers, and all all the works. Yeah, gotta reinvest in yourself. <laughs> hey, it's it's your job. All right. Uh, before we wrap it up here, um, you know, first I want to plug your podcast, which has been awesome. Um, everybody out there, thank you. Yeah, I mentioned it at the beginning um, in the intro, but you know, the Lockdown Tigers podcast. You guys should all check out that network. Um, Chris does this basically every day. Um, or every weekday, I should say. <laughs> yeah. But it's like a really, really, I mean, I was really impressed. Like you're a little bit more the retiring one of you and Roger. And so just like to kind of hear you do this like focused kick-ass, really tight 15 minutes. I was just like, oh man, right from the beginning. So yeah, I've been pretty into yeah, it. I so. appreciate that. Excellent work there. Oh yeah, no worries. And uh, anything coming out at uh, Tigstown anytime soon? Uh, right now it's just kind of, I, I'm in, now that the minor league season has started, I do a weekly minor league recap that basically tells you what, you know, what happened in all the games for the four full season affiliates. And then like maybe one or two little notes, like in the first recap, I noted that Dabo Lugo already had three walks after only getting nine last year. Just like little factoids. I think are fun. Like, <laughs> uh, but I do that. Hey, you're really uh, good at pulling those things. And every Monday. Sure. And then I'm also still trying to do the draft preview. Like every Thursday or Friday, I put out a similar piece that just looks at, at the week that was mostly in college baseball, but also sometimes in high school baseball to just get people familiar with some potential draft names. Um, yeah. Do you have anybody you particularly like who might be in the Tigers range? Does it seem like stat might fall or yeah. it does. It, so what's interesting is there was kind of the, the consensus. It's, it's so weird, man, that again, another year, it seems like there's a top four and the Tigers pick fifth. And so it's like, what do you do? Um, <laughs> but so the, the, the top four was going to be Adley Rutschman, who's basically the consensus. Number one, the catcher out of Oregon state. And then Andrew Vaughn, the first baseman from Cal, and then the, the two sort of high school shortstops in Bobby Witt and C.J. Abrams. But all the scuttlebutt now seems to be that the, the teams picking three and four, which are Chicago and Miami, want college bats, which means there's a chance that Bobby Witt Jr. would follow the Tigers. W- whether they would take him or not is still up in the air, but I would I would hope if he were there that they would. 
because yeah, I mean, there's no guarantee with any of these guys, but that's a that's a shortstop with like 460 tools, um, and I'll go ahead and take that and, and see if it works. Um, yeah, especially on a team that you know it, you know it, they don't need him. You know what I mean? Like as far as like the development cycle goes, like they they are in a position where they could take a high school guy again. Um, along with Meadows, and sort of feed those two in, hopefully at the end of a rebuilding cycle where they've got the starting pitchers established and Daz, hopefully, and Paredes established, and then you kind of mix those guys in at the end or trade them for what you need, I guess one of the two. Yeah, and it just it seems a little bit unfortunate that this is also a draft that's considered not all that good, <laughs> just like last year. And then next year's draft is, is looks like, not necessarily an all-timer, but looks really good, and the Tigers may end up playing themselves out of a... a a high pick just because everybody else sucks so much. Yeah. Just because the American league in general just looks at this, honestly. Um, I don't know. It happens so fast, you know, like the Mariners are still holding their own and it's funny to look in before today. Anyway, it was like the Mariners, Indians and Rays are leading the three divisions. It's like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. But, um, but apart from them and Boston and and the Yankees, everybody kind of looks terrible. It's like Houston's, you know, Houston and those two and the Rays are really the only teams that seem like, um, potential world series winners to me. Yeah. It's God. It's a, you know, the Royals came in and just looked brutal against the Tigers. It was like, oh, man, this is not – you have to play these guys like 19 times. Tigers might accidentally yep. win 70 games. But I don't know. Um, so, yeah, just doing draft updates and nothing particular. Uh, but if people are interested in the draft, I, I don't know they can get it at Bless You Boys, too. But if they want some more, come to Tigers then. Yeah. And also, um, yeah, definitely follow Chris at ChrisBrown0914 on Twitter. Um, you can follow him at Tigers SRD a little bit. Like, that's that's kind of all the same network there yeah. a little bit. And the Locked On Tigers podcast. So, yes, definitely Chris is one of the smartest guys around. Um, Chris, it's awesome to have you on. I love you. <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. I appreciate it. Always. <laughs> we have the same taste in music. It's great. We, uh, I need to have you on the show, too. I wanted to have you on to, like, preview the Tigers pitching. But I also know one of the problems with interviewing people is is you know it's only a 15 minute podcast and yeah. i know that you and i would just sit and talk about the pitching for like an hour and a half so yeah it's baseball it's fun to talk about yep yep it's good times and this is the best part of the season um well i, I like the postseason a lot but we all know like the nader for the tigers is going to come at some point and it's going to be going to be kind of grim for a while but you know yeah. we'll fight through it like we did last year Sounds good. Good damn it chris illich spend some money <laughs> maybe 2021 all right yeah, maybe 2021. That's what I keep telling myself. I'm going to keep writing about this damn sport for Bless Your Boys until 2021, and then I will reassess whether or not I want to keep writing about this organization. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah. All right. Everybody have a uh, good night. Thanks for joining us. And, yes, follow Chris on all his many endeavors. Follow us at uh, – follow me, anyway, at Fiscadoro74 on Twitter and at BlessYourBoys.com. And we will talk to you all later.